0: Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Now Let's give the uh, honor to the Lord Jesus. Yeah, let's really I find myself in the fear of the Lord. We need to exalt Him, and just as we've been singing, uh, He's all we need. That's really it. We have, to, uh, we have to look to him. So, Father, this morning, we are thankful for your grace. We are thankful for your precious blood, Jesus. And we have, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us. Father, we thank you for this congregation. We thank you for this house of faith. We thank you for the pastors. We thank you for the relationships that you've given to us, heart of love, Lord, I will give you the praise, we give you the thanks, we give you the honor. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated, please. Yeah. Um, with an introduction like that, I thank you, Pastor Steve, and thank you for honoring us. Uh, it always puts me a little in the fear of the Lord. Because uh, I don't want you to look at us. Yeah. You know, uh, all we've tried to do is be obedient. And uh, if we are obedient to his call, to his words of faith, how many of you know that God will send you his word? There's a certain mystery in his word coming. Uh, Faith comes by hearing the word. And there's two aspects of the Word. There's what we call the Universal Word or the Logos Word. You can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it's all His Word. But when God speaks His Word straight to you, it's called the Rhema Word. And all of us must learn to hear the Rhema Word and obey it, you see. Because that's what really is called. Now, hear me carefully. Please hear me carefully. There's great potential here. And if each one will learn to hear the rhema word and then just do it. And he he may ask you some of the most seemingly uh, to your intellect, uh, seemingly very strange things to do. But when we obey him, you see, he did say to Peter, Jesus was walking on the water. And it was not just a calm water. It was a storm. And uh, Jesus just gave one word, come. And Peter walked out on the water. He started literally walking on water. That's not just a a simple. He literally did it. But then when he saw the waves and the winds, he, he began to get fearful and he began to sink. But you see, for every one of us, I believe we are his workmanship. And he has specific things for us to do. Now for us, he just called us to go to southern Mexico. It's no different than any of you. If he calls you to go down the street, it's the same reward as going to the south end of Mexico. It's all the same. It's just a matter of obedience. And there's tremendous potential here. If each one will learn simply to hear the word of faith and to obey it, then great things will happen. Because you see, we don't serve an idol. We serve a living God. <laughs> he hears, he speaks, <laughs> he knows us, <laughs> and he loves us. Yeah. this morning, um, someone came and asked me, what's the greatest miracle that you've seen? And, and my mind kind of went back uh, some years. Uh, we, we had, a, where we are in South Mexico, there are tribal people We have 16 tribes of people. I'm going to say it again because it's hard to get it. You have a lot of tribes here, too. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) We have chatinos, mixtecos, amuscos, zapotecas, mixtecos. It goes on and on. 16 tribes that speak 155 dialects, language groups. And you know, God's plan is to have a people from every one of them. You see, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue. And so, uh, some, uh, someone asked me this morning, just a while ago, what was the greatest miracle? Well, the very first man of the Chatino tribe, Chatino Indians, who came to Jesus, uh, he, he was shot five times and killed when we began to build a church building because of his resistance, and he died, obviously, three bullets right here in the chest, one in the stomach, one in the leg. Now, please, I'm not glorying that we brought him back from the dead. Please don't take that. Uh, Twelve hours later, he came back. That shook up a lot of people. A lot of people got saved. (laughs) But, you know, so I was thinking of that miracle. But really, more recently, just one year ago, just a, just a little over a year ago, uh, my bride of 40 years, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw, the, I saw the reports. She had stage four cancer. She had a walnut-sized cancer in her left breast, and it had spread through her lungs, metastasized, And the the CAT scan said innumerable spots, innumerable. And I made a really big mistake. I went online, and I checked out stage four cancer. I should never have done that. (laughs) Don't ever do that. (laughs) They said maybe she will live three years, something like that. I shut off, shut off that uh, equipment. Well, here she is.
1: Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, when we were singing the, uh, the thorns on his brow, you know, just a moment of Jesus taking our place, when I was sitting in the chair of the chemotherapy receiving that poison into his temple, uh, it came coursing up through me. What am I doing here? This price has already been paid. In Jesus name. And uh, the uh, the grace of the Lord, the price that he's paid. Uh, I I identified my own the rebellion that was sort of working in me. I had to take into, I had to take it to the, to the cross, you know, it's that, uh, he identified with us, but then we have to identify the wrong in us, no, and as soon as we identify with his victory, taking it to him, and, and as I did, you know, I just found release and forgiveness and, and, uh, and the body of Christ, you all, and many, many others. The prayers went up to the throne and uh, the Lord used our our construction foreman to lay hands on me and, and in Jesus' name, curse the cancer and and quickly, 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 by the time I went to the alternative treatment, I got out of the, the chemo trap and uh, went to the alternative deal. By the time I got there, it, uh, first of all, the, the, the doctor, the oncologist couldn't find, after one treatment, couldn't find the ball anymore. And when I got to then to the alternative treatment, they required the PET scan and all. There was only just a small deposit Of cancer cells still in my breast and and only of the innumerable cell uh, nodules in my lungs there was only four that were able to be discerned and uh, identified with the alternative treatment then all of those uh, that residual (laughs) effect of the the cancer disappeared by within three three months everything was was gone and uh, there is no trace, even in my blood, uh, there is no trace of the cancer in my body. So I just, I thank you, and I thank the Lord Jesus, and just that whole identity. Who are we? We are the body of Christ. We are in this body, in this temple, we're, re- we're required to be um, We take care of this body. He's given it to us. You know, there's only one, and uh, that's our job. So, but the treasure within, the treasure within, his word in our mouth, his will in our lives, his direction for where he chooses to allow us to demonstrate his love, his forgiveness, his power, his authority, all power, has been given unto him, and he says, Go ye therefore. How many ye's are here? No. How many of us? No, we have the privilege, we have the privilege of taking this treasure in our earthen vessel and working it, working the miracles. I just, this morning in that song, Soul, the honor of transforming every thorn that is in around our lives we can transform that thorn into being a mighty glory unto the lord jesus he's paid the full price so it just transforms it's a paradigm shift whatever um whatever thing comes in our way it's to bow to the mighty name of the lord jesus amen
0: thank you Um, I really do believe, I really do believe that the Lord is calling each one of us, everybody who knows Him. You know, it says those who believe will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And, you know, I don't know where you're thinking. I believe we're coming to the end of the age I believe Isaiah chapter 60 says great darkness is covering the earth. There's always been sin. There's always been darkness. But there's something going on now that's another level. And so with another level out there, there has to be increase in here. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, uh, three years ago, I had a divine... Encounter. You're going to change the name of your church to Encounter, I understand. That's a good one. We went, to, we went to a conference in Dallas, Texas, a Hispanic conference. Bless all you Latinos. And yeah, uh, yeah. Bendiciones. And uh, the name of the event was Encounter. And so I got my faith up for an encounter. And the very last day. In the very last meeting, I had an encounter. Yeah. And this man, from an apostle from South America, he, he came off the platform and he laid hands on us. Laying on of hands is very real. When it's done in faith and in power. And uh, when he laid hands on me, I had a supernatural vision. And I went out on the floor. And the Lord called me to a greater level of healing, greater level of faith in praying for the sick. And in seeing deliverance, uh, people delivered from oppression. And uh, so a year and a half later, as we're pressing into it, uh, we get a report that my wife had stage four cancer. Isn't that interesting? And so, we're either going to bow to it and, you know, be wiped out or we're going to have to believe and come through. And uh, I don't want to cause anybody here to go like into uh, trying to work something up that only God can do in grace. But I do believe that there's a certain requirement for certain measures of faith and certain measures of anointing and certain measures of grace. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about in fastings often. He talked about perseverance. And so, you know, I don't believe that it's all just automatic. There is a cost on certain things. Jesus paid a great price. Our salvation is free. It's a gift. But to gain certain, uh, let me say, grace, we have to come before the throne and obtain it. And so we need to keep pressing for greater measures of grace, greater measures of anointing, do you understand? But I want to bless each of you. I believe that there's divine assignments divine appointments for every person sitting in this place today. If you're not born again yet, if you're not saved yet, get saved because you need to get into the will of God because he has great things for you. And so when we hear the word of the Lord, just like Peter heard, if that's you, tell me, come. So he stepped out. And so if I were to give you blow-by-blow account of when the Lord has spoken. I can say to you, He spoke in 1970, He spoke in 1971, He spoke in 1973, He spoke in... And it's always been just a matter of, well, we will step out and we will obey what He said. Contrary to circumstances and conditions, you see, faith is... uh, Okay, walking by faith... Is hearing what he's saying and obeying. Yes. All right, well, let's pray again. Sometimes praying is listening instead of talking, prayer is communing. And I find that praying in the Holy Spirit, we need all to learn to interpret what we're praying and build ourselves up in our most holy faith by receiving tongues and interpretation. But pray with me for a few moments in the Spirit. He is here. The Holy Spirit with us is Jesus with us. Jesus, you are here. Thank you. If you will now please open your Bibles, please, to the Book of John and Chapter 19, and I'm going to take you on a little journey before we get there. But please, if you are ready, and have your Bible ready, or your cell phone or whatever for John chapter 19. And I think what, excuse me, what happens in John chapter 19 is part of the reason of why you and I are here today. You see? And I'm going to share some very simple things with you this morning because I feel that's what I'm led to do. Because uh, when we read Matthew chapter 24, And Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25 talks about the signs of the end. Repeatedly, he says, to not be deceived. There's coming great deception upon the earth. And so we have to be people that so understand the simplicity of the work of the cross. The simplicity. And not be moved from it. People want to know new things and new revelation. And I find the old things are so deep that we don't understand them. And we want to move to new things when we don't understand the old things. And so I want to talk about the old things today. Hopefully some new things will open in your heart. Yeah. Are you with me? Now to get there, I think we always have to go back to the original the Book of Beginnings. Because in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, we see his plan. It's revealed. The plan was lost, but he's Alpha and he's Omega. He's Principio e Fin. He's the beginning and the end. And it tells us very clearly in Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's original plan has not changed. Could you say that with me, please? God's original plan has not changed. So he made him, he did all the creation. He made a man called Adam in his image. And he said, it's not good for him to be alone. And so a deep sleep, could you say with me deep sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Fell upon Adam and while he's sleeping, God takes out of his side. Could you say with me, side? (laughs) I don't know Spanish totally well right now. After 30 years of being in Mexico, but once I was preaching a wedding. And I was preaching about how God took a castillo. That means a column. That means a pillar. It's a... It's, it's like a, uh, a pillar of a building. God took the columna, the castillo, out of, out of Adam instead of his costillo, costillo's rib. <laughs> Everybody was laughing. <laughs> and uh, they used to tell me, we like when you preach because it's very amusing. <laughs> Keeps our attention. You know, no, yeah, yeah. So Adam was in a deep sleep and God took it literally says a rib out of his, read it again, chapter 1, chapter 2 of Genesis, book of beginnings. God took a rib out of his side and he made the woman. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, Now this is what I want. You find it in verse, in verse 26 and 27 of chapter 1, 28. He says, Now this is what I want of you. Be multif- fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. You have the over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, you know. It's all yours. I've given it to you. Now there was one other thing. Hang on here, attention. And God was walking with him in His presence, His fullness of joy, but also the communion. It says God walked with him, with Adam and Eve, in the coolness of the day. You see, and then His presence is the revelation of His will. So we all know what happened. The serpent fell. Uh, excuse me the rebellious angel fell and came as a serpent, probably a winged serpent, in the tree and talked to Eve and she did what she shouldn't have done and Adam did what he shouldn't have done. And so, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, because of one man's disobedience, death passed upon all men. And we've all fallen into this condition. But don't forget, in the beginning... A man and a woman, a couple, were to reign over the face of the earth and multiply and fulfill and subdue it. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. We just went through the valley. So, now we're ready for John chapter 19. Before we read, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the word of the Lord tells us that Jesus is the second Adam. Have you ever caught that? He's the second Adam. It says the first Adam was of the earth, earthy, and he was made a living soul. But the second Adam, Jesus, is made a living, life-giving spirit. Yeah, so we have to understand that Jesus is the second Adam. Oh, well, that should wake us up a bit. Who is the second Eve, you know? So now look, Jesus is on the cross, and uh, there's, as we all know, two crucified at either side. And it's very interesting in chapter 19... That the religious Jews, because it was a great and holy day, did not want these bodies hanging out there in public view. So they talked to Pilate, and they said, look, we want you to have the soldiers break their legs and take them down. Because it's Passover. It's a holy day. And I don't know if you understand this, but take them down and get rid of them. And to get rid of them meant, and you Israeli people know, they were gonna take them and throw them in the trash dump. The valley over on the east side. The valley of, yeah, somebody tell me. Yeah. They're going to just they to break the legs, take the bodies, throw them in the trash. Why are they breaking their legs? So they don't get away. Just in case they haven't suffocated from hanging there or bled to death, they're going to break their legs and take them and throw them in the dump. Isn't that something? And so, thank God for Joseph of Arimathea, who knew what was going to happen. And he prepared a place for the body of Jesus. But let's start reading now in verse 30 of chapter 19 of the book of St. John. Are you ready? So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You could say his body went to sleep. A deep sleep fell upon Jesus. He died. Now, we all understand that when this happened, we all understand, don't we, that his soul descended into hell. Some people don't like that. But his soul descended into hell and was there three days and three nights taking your place and my place in prison. You see, he paid for our penalty in full. He took our penalty in full. You see, he said, Jesus said, the way Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so also he would be in the center of the earth. So when his body died, his soul descended into hell, and Peter talks about it, Later over in Second Peter, and he says he suffered there like a common criminal, you see. And he preached to those clear back from the time of Noah. After he took the keys of death and hell. But his body died. Now let's keep reading. In verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Because he didn't want them, if they're still alive, break their legs so they just die over in the dump. And so verse 32, Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other, who was crucified with him. Now watch carefully. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Now, look what happened. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately two things came out blood and water. Now, the first Adam went to sleep. And out of his side <laughs> came a rib. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That the second Adam now is asleep. Jesus. Yeah. And out of his side comes two things. Blood and water. And it doesn't go on from there. Other than that, then came Joseph of Arimathea, took the body, took it to his own tomb, and placed the body in the tomb. Meanwhile, Jesus is in hell, paying your price and paying my price. Now, I'd like to go on with the story in John chapter 20, and to tell a little history. So you know what happened. Mary Magdalena, You remember who she was? Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. And she's the first one who arrives at the tomb. When you go reading John chapter 20, early in the morning she came to the tomb. And she's thinking, who's going to roll the stone away? Because she wanted to anoint the body of Jesus. She's the same one that broke the alabaster box and poured her expensive perfume on his feet. So she gets to the tomb, and the stone's already rolled away. And she looks inside, and it's empty, and she ran to where Peter and John and the others were, and she said, he's not there, come. They came running, and when you read John chapter 20, it's kind of amusing in that uh, John chapter 19, the end of it, it says... John's talking about himself, outran Peter getting there. And so they get there, and Peter and John look in the tomb. They see it's empty, and rather than hang around like she did, like Mary Magdalena did, they went back to the others. But she stayed there crying, and she's wondering, where is he? And she looks in again, and she sees two angels, one at the head and one at the feet, and says, he's not here. Well, then, she turns, and she's thinking that she's talking to the gardener. It was a garden tomb. And she's thinking that she's talking to the gardener, and she says to him, where is he? And when she said, ask for Jesus, it was Jesus. (laughs) And he said her name, Mary, Maria in Espanol. And apparently, she must have fallen to his feet to grab a hold of him in worship. Please get this. It's so important. And he says this key thing. Don't cling to me because I've not yet ascended to my God and your God and to my father and to your father. But go tell Peter and the others... That I'm going, I'm going to put it in my own words, and I'll see you most tarde. I'll see you later today. <laughs> this is so important. Let us read that scripture. Mm-hmm. Verse 17 of chapter 20. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Now you see, some of us might just read over that rather quickly. Now remember, blood and water has come out of his sight. And he's saying now, don't hold on. I have to ascend to the Father. I remember when I was about two years old in the Lord. I was in southern Mexico all alone. And I was standing in front of a cathedral in the state of Guerrero, in the town of Iguala. And you know, in front of the cathedrals, Catholic cathedrals, they always have all these religious pictures and this and that. But I kept staring at this one. Uh, In Spanish, it's a quadra, a painting, you know. It was Jesus on the cross. And at each, at his left, right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot, there was an angel collecting the blood in a golden. I just kept thinking about that. Now, when blood and water came out of his side, I don't know how it was kept. I don't know how the blood was kept. But I want you to stay with me now. And if you'll study the Old Testament, which is written for understanding and learning, and all of it has illustrations upon us, upon the ends of the earth have come, you find that when Moses made the tabernacle of God, Moses' tabernacle, where Moses came, where God came to dwell. Stay with me now. There was an outer court, a holy place, and a holy of holies. And the high priest went in only one time a year, beyond the veil, and poured blood over the propititorio in Spanish, over the mercy seat, which was above the broken law. Now you see, this Resurrection Sunday, after Jesus now, you understand, his, 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 his soul was in hell and it literally says, but the glory of God <laughs> rose him from the dead in hell. And there he preached. And there he took the keys of death and hell from Satan. He stripped him of his power. That's true now. See? And then he ascended to some place called Abraham's bosom and he began to wake up Samuel and... All the Old Testament saints, wake up, hey, ba- let's go, vámonos, hey. And it tells us in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 52, there was a resurrection in Jerusalem, and the old time saints walked in the streets of Jerusalem. Oh, Who are you, sir? Oh, I'm Moses, remember? <laughs> Moses, which Moses? <laughs> they walked in the streets. But this Resurrection Sunday, please now, when Jesus ascended, he ascended not as the Lamb of God, though he will always be the Lamb of God, but he ascended with his own blood as the Lamb. But now he's our High Priest, and he ascended into the Holy of Holies and poured his own blood in the Holy of Holies in heaven, over the law that you and I had broken and that blood is there today this very hour and will always be and when he poured his blood over the law he obtained eternal redemption eternally we are purchased redemption purchased by his blood he paid the law you see The reason you were under condemnation is because you had broken the law. For all have sinned. We had all broken the law and we were all under a sentence of death because the only penalty for breaking the law of God is death. So we were all under a death penalty. When you were crying here, I said, well, we're free. So he poured his blood over that broken law and that blood is there today demonstrating before God, before even Satan, before all the angels that the price has been paid. You know, it says Satan is the accuser of the brethren who he accuses day and night, day and night, day and night. So if you can get a scene of heaven, here's Jesus sitting at the right hand, here's the father, the judge, The Holy Spirit's here on the earth with us. And Satan comes up before to accuse. Now when you have, as a born again child of God, certain legal, when you have have sinned. First John chapter one tells us, if we eat those meals, my little children, I don't want you to sin. But if you sin, we have an advocate, we have a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation, he is the go-between, he is the pavement. And so, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins because the blood never loses its power. The blood never loses its power. So therefore, you have eternal salvation as long as you continually make it right, make it right, make it right, make it right, right. confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it, and put your life under the blood. Then death and hell cannot touch you. Under the blood. Stay under the blood. Are you with me? Now there's no reason then for anyone to go off course or not make it. Do you know how many Christians, though, fall under condemnation and fall under the accusation of the devil because they do not understand the value and the application and the power of the blood? Now, the accuser comes, and the accuser comes, and a certain verse that he will use you'll find in Hebrews chapter 6, and it says, if we sin willfully, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. But I want to try to help us on that a little bit. Has he ever used that verse on you? I'm talking about the devil. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, seriously? Did you ever read that verse? (laughs) Well, listen, if you go on, it's if you counted the blood as an unholy thing and that it wasn't good enough to forgive your sin, then you tread upon the blood. Now, I'm not, that doesn't give us license to go say, well, I can go drink, smoke, and chew, and and, and go with girls that do maybe that whole thing. It's, we're not willfully sinning. But we have to understand, the blood will never lose its power. And when the blood is applied, we are totally just defied and made righteous through faith in the blood and so the blood is always there you see he made atonement now there were two things though that came out of his sight and I think we need really I think it's very wise To memorize verses about the blood, I just want to give you Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 14. I've got to give you verse 12 first. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. I think it's good to memorize because it renews your mind and may save us from getting that disease that a lot of people have, forgetfulness. Forgetfulness renew the spirit of your mind Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 on that sunday when he told mary don't hang on to me don't cling to me not with the blood of goats and of bulls of calves but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all once for all think about it once For all. Once for all. So all of California is forgiven if they would receive it. All of the United States is forgiven if they would receive it. Once for all. See? And it's also once for all. For all. (laughs) For all. (laughs) Once for all. It's there. Once for all, having obtained eternal, forever, redemption. A redemption that is forever. Redemption means we've been bought with the price. First Peter chapter 1, verse numbers 18 and 19 says we were not purchased, redeemed, with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the blood of Jesus. So we are property of Adonai. We are sheep of his pasture, purchased with the blood. Our life is not our own. Then look, there are two places where the blood's applied. The first place, on Resurrection Sunday, the blood was applied over the propititorio, over the mercy seat in heaven, and it covers the broken law. It paid the law. The law's satisfied. The second place, though, that it has to be applied, do you know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And do you know that inside of you, even before you knew the Lord, you have a conscience? And if you would close your eyes just for a moment and probably think back, even though you're not, we don't want to look back. But you can probably remember the first time when you were three years old, four years old, five years old, the first sin you did. Really? Because your conscience got defiled I can remember. <laughs> see? you have the law of God inside of you. So the second place where the law where the blood is applied is to your conscience. For 26 years, I walked about and the redemption had no effect upon me because the blood had not reached me. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, 24, 25 says we've all sinned, We're all, sh- but it's through faith, through faith in that blood, through faith in the blood. So when the blood came to my conscience, it totally cleansed my conscience and freed me from sin consciousness. It freed me from sin consciousness and declared me righteous. Now many people are plagued with sin consciousness. many, even in this room today, there's sin consciousness, because the devil accuses And we have not received perfection just yet. And so therefore, there are fiery darts, fiery darts, fiery darts, fiery darts, you did it, your eyes saw this, your ears heard that, your thoughts went this way, your thoughts went that way, and the devil accuses you and causes you to not feel that you have right standing therefore, we must constantly humble ourselves and plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood. Get under the blood. You remember when Moses told the children of Israel, apply the blood over the doorpost. Stay inside under the blood and eat all the flesh. Two things. The blood and the flesh. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh, you have no life in you. The Word was made flesh. Yeah. See? Okay. Now, look at it again. <laughs> in Hebrews, the first application of the blood was over the broken law in heaven. The second application is in verse 14. Yeah. How much more yeah. shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience. Say it with me. Cleanse your conscience. From dead works. Now, dead works are simply anything that God didn't order. You know what I mean? It's just out of his will. It's a dead work. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us, cleanses our conscience, Now therefore, it's so important that we maintain a clear conscience because having a clear conscience causes us to have strong confidence and access with no... Come on. We need access. Every day, all the way. Access. Why? Because in his presence is the revelation of his purposes, and his plans, and his pursuits. And we don't get them out of his presence. And so one of the attacks against all of us is to get us out of the presence, slightly under shadows, or slightly in unbelief. Therefore we don't get healing, therefore we don't get financial, therefore we are short-circuited. Really, it's the truth. It's a tremendous battle. So, applying the blood, confessing, and then believing with all of our hearts. That's where you got to really get this word into our renew. I can renovar el coco. You have to renew your mind. Now, remembering two things flowed out of the side the blood and the water. Now, the water is taken in different ways. Even when you went under the waters of baptism, that was circumcision of your old person. It was a seal of righteousness, and you were left behind. There's the water of the word. John chapter 15, verse 3 says, Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Not by any works of righteousness, which we have done, says Titus 3.5, but according to the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So you see, of the two things that flowed from his side, the blood and the washing of the water, when the blood hits your mud, he began to form the bride. You see, we are now the second Eve. We are being formed from Emmanuel's side. We're being formed by the blood and by the water, you see? And we're just in a temporary development process. I don't know how long it took for Eve to be fixed, but apparently, you know. But for us, we're in a process. you You see? And we are now potentially, the bride of Christ. And when I say potentially, it's because of this. Now please hear me. Do you know there were 10 virgins in Matthew chapter 25? They were all virgins. It wasn't, there were 10 prostitutes. I mean, excuse me, there wasn't that there were five prostitutes and five virgins. It was 10 virgins, they're all of one category. There was just two different groups among the same category. There were wise virgins and there were foolish virgins. Now the wise virgins, when the bridegroom came, would you say with me, bridegroom? The bridegroom bridegroom is going to come. He's going to come for you and he's going to come for me. And he's going to come for all of us all together. He may take you first, he may take me first, but eventually he's coming, bringing you back to take us all but it was the wise ones who entered. Do you know there were five foolish ones that stood on the outside knocking? We can't deny that part of the scripture. Now I want to encourage you. We all need to be wise virgins. We can't take this thing lightly. You know what happens if you miss the first group? Have you thought about it? It's not that you lose your salvation. And I don't want the enemy to take advantage here. But we have to take the whole scripture. There were five wise ones that went in. And they went to the wedding. And the door was shut. I want to tell you a few things now. When you really study Matthew chapter 24, it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the Lord shall come in the clouds. Would you say clouds with me? And when he comes in the clouds, it says, he shall send his angels together, together, the wise virgins from one end to the other. Two are in the field, one is taken, one's left. Two women are at the mill, one is taken, one's left. They should put the fear of God in us. Not condemnation, but certain holy fear. Are you with me? And uh, the Lord comes in the clouds, He sends his angels, and And if you connect that with 1 Thessalonians chapter four, it says, at the last trump, the trumpet of God, the voice of the archangel, and Jesus shall make a shout. Is that okay, Steve, pastor? Am I doing okay? It says, then the dead in Christ will rise first, And we which are alive and remain, the wise virgins, we're all going to go and we're going to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. That's what it says. It says the dead are going to go first in Christ, the ones who died being wise virgins. Are you with me? And then he brings them with him. The body gets caught up. And the wise virgins go. And we're all transformed in the cloud into his perfect image because we become one. Right. We shall see him as he is. First John chapter 3 says, we don't know what kind... Of we, beloved, we don't know how we're going to be yet, but we know that when we see him, we're going to be as he is, but we shall see him as he is and we'll all be transformed. Now, I believe this way. Yeah. Then we're taken to the marriage feast. There's the bride. You remember Joseph and Mary were engaged? She got pregnant and the angel had to come and say, Joseph, no, 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 don't stone her, it's okay. You know, but really, nobody get pregnant out of of wedlock here, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We gotta stay virgins, so that's only him. He's gonna take us to the marriage feast and before the judge, God Almighty, I believe we're going to be pronounced husband and wife. <laughs> the judge is going to sign the papers. <laughs> Finished. And then go on with the book. When you read Revelation chapter 19, let us be glad and rejoice for the marriage of the lambs come. Blessed and holy are those who are called to the marriage feast of the lamb. And then you keep reading the chapter and it says, then I saw the heavens open and I saw a white horse descending, and, a, and behind him was a bunch of white horses, and those who were on the white horses. And why are they coming? They're coming to throw the false prophet into the lake of fire. They're coming to throw the Antichrist into the lake of fire, and the angel Gabriel, Michael is coming to take Satan and put him in a prison for a thousand years, and you know what it says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7? It says, blessed and holy are those who are in the first resurrection, for they shall rule and reign over the earth with Christ for a thousand years. Alpha and omega. So the whole thing ends as it was in the beginning. It's just the second Adam and the second Eve. Right. And you're the second Eve, and he's the second Adam. And we have great potential. So Amen. please be encouraged in the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Nobody faint. Nobody quit. Nobody give up. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. He said, okay. Two things, the blood and the water. So we had to keep washing in the water. The blood justifies, the water sanctifies. So, you know, I'm going to finish maybe. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says that we all, who have been born of his spirit and have been saved by grace through faith. We are now his divine workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now I want to tell you then, it's very important that you and I, that don't leave here all neurotic to find the works, but it's very important that we listen and we fulfill the works. Because in Revelations chapter, four, chapter 2, verse 25, 26, 27, says this. What you have, keep it. Don't lose it. Don't lose your health. Don't lose your wealth. Don't lose your marriage. Don't lose your kids. Don't lose it. And then verse 26 is two conditions with the promise. It says this. First condition, Overcome. Anybody in that battle? It's distinctly different for every person here. But everybody has their own. Second condition, finish my works. Promise, and you will sit on the throne and reign with me as I have received of my Father. The letter was written by Jesus. And the promise is, if we overcome and finish the works that he called you to do, me to do, each of us to do, then we have a reward. One, we become members of the bride, seated with him, reigning, as according to the original plan, with all power and all authority over all things. And I believe, I really do, Pastor Steve and Portia, I really believe that God has given you a great opportunity here. It's very amazing. He's opened a great door for you. And then for all of you who have been joined to them, you get a corporate reward. You see, there was Moses, but then there were the children of Israel. And so there always has to be a called one who gets a revelation of the purposes and says, we're going this way. Everyone who follows gets the corporate inheritance. Now I believe for all of you, there's a corporate inheritance. You have as an assembly certain things to accomplish. That's the truth. They are ordained of God. There are certain people that are still out there that are ordained to be here. It's truth. And everyone that you go to get is your recompense. It's your reward. you all get a reward. Do you know that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad? It's, a, it's, the, it's called the tribunal de Cristo. It's the judgment seat of Christ, but in this case, it's not judgment to condemnation. It is rewards. Just like in every wedding, there are the gifts. I believe after the wedding, He's going to say, take charge of five cities. Take charge of ten cities. Take charge of the state of California. He's coming. He's going to rule over all the earth. It's real. It's as real as we are sitting here. Now for us, we were called to go south to bring out a people for his name from among the tribes. You see, because nobody, because that's what God called us to do. But you're here, and uh, to repeat again, the only way that I can understand anything about whatever has happened with us is simply because maybe I only had a phrase of a scripture. In 1971, I received a verse and it said, along the seacoast. I was sitting on a park bench in Mexico City. So we got up and we walked to the seacoast. We're still there, it's 50 years later. And I think, what if I would have just said, well, that's a nice verse. (laughs) And, oh, thank you, Jesus. But he spoke to me. So the only reason I'm saying that is not to glory, just to say, please, if we will all hear that rhema and all do what he says. And sometimes it is so foreign. In 1988, you're gonna see a little video that we're gonna show you, I think. And he told me, swim to the rock. It was an island, three quarters of a mile out from the ocean, in the ocean. I'm from Kansas. There's not even water there. (laughs) Did you see the yellow brick road? There's no, there's no water over there. (laughs) I'm not glorying, I just did it. I swam out there, three quarters of a mile. You're gonna see it in the video. And when I got there, I look in over there, and my eyes fell on a palm grove. There's Sue, she's about this big, sitting on the beach. And then I saw this palm grove, and there was a flash of light. And the Lord readily spoke and said, that's your property, your mission space. I said, what? I wasn't looking for property. And sometimes I think, what would happen if we wouldn't have done that? Mm-hmm. Will we ever have seen it? We'd still be looking for property. Right. Maybe. Right. I never understand plan B, C, D. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Let's pray. Here's what I want to pray. What, what are we going to pray? We're just going to pray, or what should we pray? I like to pray this. If you look over in the book of Isaiah, there's a really good scripture. And it says, morning by morning, he opens my ears. If I go a few mornings, and I don't hear, I'm a lost as a goose. <laughs> morning by morning, he talks to us. Morning by morning, And you know what the prayer is? Lord, give us ears. I need to hear you. I need to hear. I need to hear. I need to hear. And I need to see. I need revelation, understanding. I need ears that hear. I need eyes that see. Because it's a revelation that causes me to walk in divine appointments and divine assignments and complete what he has. So, I want to bless here, Father, this place with hearing ears, with seeing eyes, with the spirit of revelation, and the knowledge of Him, the knowledge of His will. You have to particularly pray for your pastors. It's so important. that your pastors are hearing. Because there are many, many voices. And as they hear, so shall you be. Because as they hear, they will lead. That's it. So Father, we pray sincerely, I don't know of any greater blessing than being able to hear and see and be led of the Holy Spirit on the earth today. What greater blessing? It's better than money. It's better than houses. It's better than anything because it will lead us into eternal destiny and eternal rewards.
1: Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.